You're listening to The Dice Men Cometh, broadcast live to air on Edge Radio 99.3 FM and proudly sponsored by LFG Australia. The Dice Men Cometh! Well, it's that time again. It's Thursday evening here in the Edge Radio studios. And Garth? Yes! Uh, you and I are here tonight. We are. Talking Le- everything board games, card games, role-playing games, dice games, uh, any anything. Anything at all that you do on, around, under, over or through a table. Absolutely. And welcome to episode 337 on the 18th of August, Garth. But before we go any further, mm-hmm. I do need to declare I've I've taken a leaf out of our former Prime Minister's book, oh, unbeknownst to you and Leon. I have ordained myself to be uh, the Chief of Marketing, yep, uh, the Chief Playtester, and because Leon's not here tonight, uh, I've actually assigned myself to be Leon as well tonight. So, hoya! Well, there you go. That's excellent. Well, I'll, I'll uh, take on the mantle of Tom Vassell. Uh, I'll become Quinton Smith, uh, uh, Rodney Rodney Smith, uh, Z Garcia. Um... So no real jobs then? No, not not if I can just play more board games. Right. Isn't that what politics is all about anyway? It's just about playing games with everyone. It is. And also tonight we are going to be talking about games we've played, Garth, because we've got a big, big, big Lacerda game to talk yes. about. But it's a very different Lacerda game because it's cooperative. And that, of course, is CO2 Second Chance. Yes. Then I'm going to bring us a bit of new <laughs> Gen Con news. Oh, because we've come back from Gen yeah, Con after, after we did our live show. Yeah, that was, that was so much fun. And then after that, we're going to cram in another game we've played lately, which is Goo Gong. Yes. Not so we haven't. We're not talking about the newest of new releases, except for obviously your your Gen Con mm. live from Gen Can't um, little break there. But we are talking about Lacerda, and that always brings a smile to my face and a burn to my brain. Absolutely. So you're with the uh, Dice Men coming through on Edge Radio ninety nine point three FM. We'll be back shortly to talk about games, but in the meantime, here's some music for you. to New Year's Day the blue-eyed angel. Hello everyone, Dicemen Mark here with some very exciting news. What would the Dice Men be without dice? If you've played a game with us over the years, you may have scored some of our amazing custom dice. You can also get them when you sign up to support us on Patreon. Now, what better place to get our special custom dice than one of Australia's leading dice suppliers and longtime supporter of the show, Behold Games? Behold Games is suppliers of all sorts of amazing dice, including an incredible variety of polyhedral sets, as well as RPG, games and supplies, and of course, board games. You can check out everything they have to offer, including all the dice, at beholdgames.com.au. Please consider supporting this brilliant little Aussie retailer and its owner, Tina, who is also the organiser of Board Game Cruise Australia, as well as a fantastic person, friend of the Dice Men, and now also our official Dice Sponsor.
Ah, there you go. That was Therese Millhouse and Martin O'Brien with Quiet Boy here on Edge Radio 99.3 FM. And you are with the Dice Men Cometh. We are not quiet boys, although maybe Leon is. I don't know. He's definitely quiet tonight. Well, you're obviously not doing your your best par- uh, parliamentarian and prime ministerial role of speaking for him. Oh, yeah. You're, that's about, only, you're about 45 minutes too early. Yeah, that. that's right. That's the only Leon line yeah. I know. Go, uh, oh, good, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. <laughs> that's another one. Um, anyway, let's forget about Leon for a while, Garth. Yes. You and I are here to talk about serious games, and they don't come much more serious than Vital Lacerda. No, and they really don't come much more serious than Vital Lacerda and the destruction of the planet. <laughs> yes, that's right. Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> So for any, your planet. any new listeners to the Dice Men Cometh, and there are seemingly quite a few, which mm. is wonderful. Um, so thanks for listening. Vital Lacerda is a bit of a board gaming legend, uh, especially, I think, within Dice Man circles. Absolutely. I think you know, we're all pretty big fans of, of this guy's work. He has created very, very heavy Euro games that... tackle quite a a vast spectrum of theme absolutely you've got you know creating wine in vinyos Mm -hmm. you've got efficiency of car manufacturing in kanban Mm -hmm. you've got escaping from a town in escape plan you've got colonization of other planets with on mars you've got Earthquakes in Lisbon in the 1780s and 90s from memory in Lisboa. Running and managing art galleries in the with gallerist? the gallerist. Yeah. <sighs> and what, what's the. There is a new one on well, the There's way, Weather Machine yeah. that, that's coming out, so you get to control the weather. But all of those don't, don't sort of grasp me the same way as CO2 Second Chance. It's very real for us right because now. Because it is, and especially when you see. Uh, La Nina um, rearing its ugly head again. And as the name suggests in this game, CO2 colon second chance is that we are all trying to stop the planet from being screwed. Mm. Now, in the 1970s, the governments of the world faced unprecedented demand for energy and pollutive power plants were built everywhere in order to meet that demand. Year after year, the pollution they generated increased and far too little was done to reduce it. Sound familiar, Mark? Mm -hmm. Now, in 2010, promises were made, summits were held, but not enough was done, and the impact of this rising pollution has become too great. As we watched CO2 in our atmosphere increase from 350 parts per million to 400 parts per million, humidity... Humidity? Humanity... (laughs) started to realise that we are headed towards cataclysm. Humidity isn't great, though, either. No. Although, yeah, good opportunity to have a nice cold beer. (laughs) Now we have a second chance to save the Earth from pollution, and we are compelled to meet our energy demands through clean sources of energy. Companies with knowledge in clean, sustainable energy are invited in to propose projects that will provide the required energy without polluting the environment. Regional governments are eager to fund these projects and to invest in their implementation. Now, if that doesn't sound exciting <laughs> and a way that you yeah. want to drag new gamers into the hobby, yeah. come on in, new yeah. gamers. Let's talk about 350 to 400 parts per million of CO2 in Earth's atmosphere. Who wants to party? Wow. So in the game CO2 Second Chance, each player 
is a CEO of an energy company responding to government requests for new and green power plants. The goal is to stop the increase of pollution while meeting the rising demand for sustainable energy and, of course, of course. to profit by doing so. Most importantly. Absolutely. You'll need enough knowledge, money and resources to build these clean power plants. Energy summits will promote global awareness and allow companies to share a little of their knowledge while learning from others. And then see if you can meet the UN goals as well to help save our habitat while achieving your own private agenda. Oh my goodness, Garth. That was a huge mouthful. There is so much in this game. There is. Now, this game first came out in 2000... Sorry. I was going to say 2018, but it didn't. It originally came out as just CO2, and that was, gosh, when was it, Mark? It was years and years ago, wasn't it? must be like 2015, maybe? Can you find it there? I'm just having a look. I must have... um must have sort of clicked on the wrong thing yeah. when I was doing my uh, my research. Board 2012. There you go. Wow, that is a long time ago. So it was only just after these 2010 summits where they all happened. So it was even more cutting edge. But this CO2 second chance came out in 2018. Big, big, big difference between the first and the second version is that the second version is sold essentially as a cooperative game. Mm. Now, anyone who's played a Lacerda game knows that typically you're going to be spending three to four hours sitting around a table with three to four people all with their hands in their heads, <laughs> not really communicating because mm-hmm. you're in your own world. Yep. Your brain is melting. You're trying to figure out how to do a thing, but you know that to do the one thing, you've got to do four or five other things before that. So I should have planned it an hour ago and I just want to do it now. Yep. <sighs> CO2, second chance, offers that kind of environment but cooperatively so that you can all talk about how you've all <laughs> stuffed up your plans that you were meaning to do by working together. You break your brains all at the same time. Absolutely. So the one saving grace around this, and I guess for someone like myself who's played, I think, every Vital Lacerda heavy game, yeah. a couple of little ones that I haven't played, is that this one is arguably mechanically far and away the simplest. Yes, it is actually. There are four rounds. Each round is a decade. Simple. In each one of those decades, there are five phases. The number one phase is the operations phase, which is the majority of the game. It's where you're going to all do some actions. We'll get back to that one. Mm -hmm. Second one is the income phase, where essentially you will hopefully get some money or victory points Mm -hmm. in quite an interesting little uh, twist on just getting income. In the third phase, you'll have environmental goals, and that's where you will be able to celebrate your successes in saving the planet while simultaneously ruining the mistakes that you made (laughs) as you see all your good work undone. Um, You'll then have an energy supply phase where you'll realize that you haven't built enough power plants and the world needs to build more fossil fuels, which is going to raise the parts per million of the CO2 in the the atmosphere, which is going to put everything backwards. And then you'll you'll sort of get at the, the end of the phase and you'll check, have we won? No. No, we haven't won. <laughs> Don't be stupid, we haven't won. Have we lost? Yeah, probably. So just to get to how you will win and or lose this game, it's quite simple. Um, if at any stage you get to over 500 parts per million of CO2, there's a track, 
um, that will quite happily <laughs> tell you throughout the course of the game how far away you are from that little milestone. Um, the weird and scary thing is that it doesn't really start that far away mm -hmm. from 500 parts per million, so it's very, very easy to get there in a short amount of time. And if that doesn't have people salivating just by itself, the fact that there's a CO2 parts per million track in this game... <laughs> Come know. on, people. Come what, on. Else, what else are you possibly after yeah. in, a, in a board game? Um, the other thing that may uh, basically kill you is that if your victory point track ever goes below zero, which probably will, yes, um, you will you will lose that. Um, and basically, if you survive till the fourth end of the fourth round, and again end with a, a, at least a victory point, you're going to win. Now, people might ask Garth, well, how can you? go to zero victory points when, as you said, there are quite a few times during the game where you're going to be getting victory points. Surely you don't go through a whole game and no one gets any victory points. Well, no, it's a shared victory point track oh. because you're cooperative. So yes. you're not competing with, with each other for victory points. You're all sort of putting towards it. But let me get to that. Yeah, okay, yes. Because that, that's the bit I love is... Yeah, let's get to it. Oh, I can't, I can't wait. I can't wait. So they're the five phases. Operations, which we haven't talked about. Income, get get money or victory points. Environment, celebrate your successes. Energy, rue your failures. Mm. End of decade, see if you won or lost. The operations phase is the main phase. And this is where you'll be taking turns, going around the table, performing actions. Over the course of the game, you will be proposing projects to stop CO2 emissions from increasing. That then allows any company to prepare infrastructure, mm. which is basically setting the groundwork for new power plants. Taking such, sorry, such initiative is also rewarded by the UN, which is wonderful. Finally, any company can actually build the power plant. Now, that's a three-stage process. Yes. You've got to propose it, then you've got to build the infrastructure, then you've got to build the power plant. Now, through this process, the global situation is hopefully improved and the economy is stimulated. You'll gain knowledge by sending out your scientists to then go and work on new projects and to present their findings into these energy summits. You'll also be able to, fun and games, <laughs> manipulate the carbon emission permit market. It's not a carbon tax. No. No. And you'll utilise lobbyists to help you achieve your goals. So every player is going to be having their own little player board in front of them. And it's quite simple because it's going to show you on the left-hand side, what your three main actions are. And on the right-hand side, it's going to show you what your three uh, executive actions could be. Now, again, this is a well-trodden Vital Lacerda mechanic mm. in that what you will do is on your turn, you will do one main action, and then you can do as many of these executive actions as you can yeah. can afford to do that you can choose to do. So your main actions are actually pretty straightforward. Uh, they are... As, the, uh, as I read before, they are proposing a project, which is basically saying, I want to build a power plant here. Now, the board is divided up into the different continents of, yep. of the world. So you've got Asia and Oceania and blah, 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 blah. Each of those have a certain number of spaces available for proposing projects, which will ultimately hopefully become power plants. So to propose one, you basically take one of the, the proposal tiles there. Um, there are five different types of various clean energy forestry, hydro, um, solar, recycling, something else I can't remember. But they're all versions of green energy. You'll take it, you'll pay a cost, you'll put it on there and say, this is what I want to do. You'll get a little bit of a benefit depending on the type of, of, of proposal that you are proposing. And then you will go, I've done my bit. 
Oceania now has a, a forestry power plant. I think we call it biomass, don't we? Because sure. for, being here in Tasmania, <laughs> forestry is not that environmentally friendly. Well, let's use solar the then. Let's, let's use yes, solar because yes. I'm going to get that all wrong. Yes. Um, so that's, that's one of your main actions is proposing the, the project. The second main action is to then prepare the infrastructure. This is where you're going to, again, pay the cost. You're going to lay the, the infrastructure, which is everyone's got these little um, sort of individually shaped, um, I guess, tokens. Yeah. They slide into the proposal slot really nicely. And you, then you've got it there ready to go for the final stage, which is going to be building a power plant. Yes. Now, the good thing is because this is co-op, Essentially, power plants can get built relatively quickly because if I'm the first player and I do, okay, I'm going to propose it, and the player to my left then builds the infrastructure, then that's right for the plucking for you, Mark, as yes. the third player, to build the power plant. All sounds so easy, but it's really, really not because you're trying to manage all these other things as well. So the good thing is your three main actions are actually really straightforward. Yes. Doing them you just got to have enough resources, which is usually you know, carbon emission permits, um, some cubes that you, you've got as, as, a, as a currency there. Uh, you might have to meet certain criteria. You might have to spend some of the money because there is money in, in the game as well. It's all really straightforward. And the good thing is your player board yes. actually really clearly highlights this is what it is that you can build. This is the cost that you're going to have to pay. And look, we ha oh, look I'll jump in at this stage and say part of what was done in the CO2 second chance as has been done with some other Vital games, is obviously he's called in his good buddy, West Australian-based Ian O'Toole. Yes. Got him to retool the uh, the game. And one of the many things that the esteemed artist, graphic designer, and all-round genius Ian O'Toole does is he basically turns the board not only into a work of art, but almost into a teaching tool slash rules tool slash how to play the game with his the way he uses iconography. And it is just brilliant. Thank goodness, because um, playing these games without that can be very, very difficult. There's someone who played the original Kanban. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> you know, it's chalk and cheese doesn't even come close to talking about the difference between the, the original Kanban and the new Kanban EV as an example. Yeah, and look, this game definitely shows that that partnership is is strong. However, this is 2018, um, Ian O'Toole and mm. Vital Lacerda. Since then, they've released lots of new games. Yes. And I think their relationship has gone from strength to strength yeah. because again having played a lot of these these Lacerda games that Ian Hotul has done that the art and graphic design on this one's not up there for me in terms of the the looks and the immediate attraction oh really yeah I, I love I, the look of it the, yeah. just even the ways he's used colors and everything I, I I think it it's a beautiful looking game I I reconcile that it's very hard to put the detail as you might get from a, a Lisboa board game, yeah. which is focusing on one little city when you're trying to capture the world yeah. energy markets and all of all of this pollution CO2. So I get it. And I, I like the color scheme and I think it, the board looks great, but I think there's been a lot of development yeah. in terms yep. of how, how those two, um, you know, 
fantastically talented people have have worked together. Yeah, fair enough. Um, I think it looks great. I think there's just been some maturity yeah. that's occurring, just from you know my ignorant point. Well, of view. I mean, particularly what on Mars that would be the well, and Kanban EV, I guess the two most recent um, ones that come to mind. Yeah, you're right. They they really ramp it up, and I guess it's it's easier to to make the board more evocative when you've got those themes. That's you know, right. Being colonising in space and rockets and all that fun stuff, or uh, what was the other one I mentioned? Because I've had a mental blank. <laughs> Kanban. Kanban with the car factory and cars and technology and blueprints and all that stuff. You know, again, it's it's a much more sort of I guess evocative theme in terms of there's interesting things to look at. That's right. But either way, once you set it up and you read the actually quite thin rule book mm. compared to, again, a lot of other Lasertas, I read this, this rule book once and I was comfortable teaching it. Yeah. And that is unusual because normally you have to go back through a Lacerda rule book and just go, what does that mean? And how does that... And just, oh, maybe watch a video. But I was really comfortable. Yeah. This, was, this was straightforward. So anyway... So straightforward. You do your one so main easy. action. You only do one action. That's yeah. fine. You're either proposing, you're building an infrastructure, or you're, you're building the power plant. But then you've got these executive actions of which you can do up to three. One is move a scientist. Everyone's going to start with scientists and you can move them around the board. You can put them on proposals. You can put them onto cards that have been tabled. You can send them to summits. Um, and they are going to be a way for you to basically increase your knowledge in certain things, more knowledge in the certain... Um, Facets of renewable energy will mean that you'll then have the knowledge to, say, build the types of power yep. plants, gain more income, those kinds of things. Or you can visit the CEP market, which is where you can buy and sell these carbon emission permits um, for cash mm. or, you know, I need more, more of these permits to be able to build things. Or you can play one of your lobbyist cards, which you're each going to start with a couple and you have to try and complete a couple yes. of these. Or you can claim a UN goal card, and there is a collective face-up, um, I guess, tableau of, of UN cards, and one of the win conditions, which you might get there, who knows, um, <laughs> is that you have to have um, succeeded collectively in a couple of these, uh, well, the majority of these face-up UN goal cards. Otherwise, yeah. it doesn't matter what the um, parts per million are, you've, you've lost because you haven't done what the UN told you to. So that's kind of it for the mechanics of how it works, but the reality of sitting around a table playing a heavy Euro where you are playing cooperatively is in itself a bit of a, I don't know, an inception moment where you're, you're trying to not only be within your own head, but you're trying to be within the head of the other people mm -hmm. that you're trying to, to play with because you're not competing with these, these people. You are trying to have two or three or four people playing the most efficient game that you can possibly hope to play because this game is tough. And when I say tough, I mean brutal. <laughs> yes. Now, an easy it way may to... be simple. But... Yeah. An easy way to describe it is at the end of the first decade, once you've done your operations and you've done all your, um, your actions and what have you, and then you've gone and you've checked your income, then you go to this, this environmental goal phase this is where you look at all the little targets that you were meant to have hit. And there are targets that are set up like, okay, have you built power plants that are in these particular parts of the world? 
are they these particular types, you know, solar or renewable, yeah. you know, wind energy or whatever it is. And every time you satisfy that, you get to flip over a couple of these tokens, which is great. Um, or have I um, advanced my scientist or my knowledge on these certain tracks? Have I got to these certain parts? That's great. Yeah, wonderful. Have I sent my scientists to some summits and have some summits been completed? Yeah, great. I'll flip those over to. <laughs> so at the end of the first round, you won't have done a huge amount of these, mm. these tokens. There are, I think, around about 20 little face-up chits and you're flipping them over as you, as you go. In the environmental goals phase, in the end of phase one, you count up how many you haven't done and for everyone you haven't done, you take away that many victory points. So you've gained victory points by placing down proposals and in infrastructure and power plants and maybe fulfilling a couple of goals. You've got these victory points. In the income phase, you get to choose whether you take whatever income you are entitled to receive as money, which you need to build things. Yes, things cost or money. as other victory points. And that is a really delicate balancing act. And I suggest that in the first decade, you probably don't take much money at all. You yeah. put it all into victory points because when this environment goals phase hits, you're going to lose them and you're going to lose a crap ton. Mm. But then it gets harder <laughs> because at the end of the second decade, yeah. everything that you haven't done is two victory points. And then in the third decade, you want to guess, Mark? Sorry, let's see what Leon thinks. Uh, hiya, is that three, Garth? It is, Leon. Very insightful. <laughs> and then, yes, at the end of the fourth decade, should you get that four, uh, that far, it is four victory points. Um, then, when you have finished the environmental goals, if you've got any positive points, you do your energy supply, which is if you haven't built the right power plants in the various parts of the world, yeah. they're going to have to substitute it with dirty cold fire power yeah. plants, which are basically drawing out these horrible, horrible tokens from a bag which are numbered between 10 and 40 or yeah. 50 um, parts, parts per, million. per million. And you're basically just raising the parts per million yeah. track. And then at the end of the decade, one, to lower that by 10 parts per million is one victory point. And you need to lower that as much as you can. Yes. Again, end of the second decade, it's going to be two and then three and then four. <sighs> yeah. So at the end of each phase and at each decade you are lucky to have very many victory points to celebrate whatever victory it is that you may have the first time that we played this game mark mm -hmm. set it up explain the rules everything was good everything was hunky-dory the world was looking good we lost halfway through the game yeah we made it not quite to the end of the second decade correct before we didn't have enough victory points basically to keep the parts of a million below 500. And as you said, like, you're starting at 400. They can't go above 500. One of the worst coal-fired power plants, if you have to put it down and you draw it out of the bag, adds 40 parts per million. Yep. That's like 40% of the way, just from one token. And sometimes you're going to draw out two or three or four of these tokens per decade. That's right. And there's four decades. And they become increasingly more horrible. Yeah in every every subsequent decade now there are then ways to mitigate that because if you then subsequently build the renewable power plan on mm -hmm. over a coal one or sorry a fossil one then that's that's going to be great because yes. it fixes a bit of your problem temporarily anyway yes, that's right but this game is like it's under my skin mm. because i haven't played it enough have come nowhere near winning this game but just that really 
it's, it's silly saying really unique, but I mean, you, you, the unique experience of playing a heavy, heavy, heavy game that is completely fully co-op yes. is awesome. Yeah, there's not many heavy cooperative games. And look, let's face it, there's not many games that let you solve a clear and present danger to the planet right now in your own little fun way without any consequences apart from your brain losing brain cells. It It's a fun and interesting puzzle to try and solve. You know, a lot of us who like to play board games are sort of the sort of geeks that are also interested in science and things like that. So it, it just scratches so many itches. But Garth, I might be wrong. Did you mention, so there's four decades... Each decade, you're only doing, is it three main actions on a turn? Well, it depends on the number of players. Uh, yeah, that's right. So when we played with four players, yeah. I think you only get three main actions in a decade. So in other words, in this whole game, if you manage to get to the end, <laughs> you only get... Now, we're not, I'm not talking about the little executive action, so there's lots of other th- things, but you only get 12 turns yeah. in a whole game. So the the a number of things you can do is so limited. As you said, that's why it's so important to one person proposes, another person builds the infrastructure, another one builds the power plant to have it all sing. But that, of course, doesn't rely on that sometimes, well, I'm not ready to build something because I maybe I need a scientist, maybe I need some more carbon credits, maybe I need some money, so I've got to sort of do a bit of preparing. You, you just... You're not that efficient. No. Because it's hard. It is. It is really, really tricky. And after the first decade is over, surprisingly, you're spending time trying to put out environmental fires Mm -hmm. because, oh my God, a 40 fossil sort of dirty (laughs) coal power plant has gone and created in South America. So I don't necessarily want to build something there because it's not a goal that we need to achieve, but but I have to to try and stop this. It's it's a really, really challenging puzzle yeah. that is pulling you in multiple different directions and it is awesome. Yeah, and it's a fascinating puzzle. And I mean, look, it tells a story because the original version where it wasn't, I think there was a cooperative variant, but the main game wasn't cooperative, clearly tells a story just like what's happening today. That if you just go out and say to a whole bunch of capitalists, hey, solve this problem and make and make money while you're doing it, but make sure you solve the problem. They might concentrate most part of their efforts into making money, then throwing their hands up in the air and going, sorry, couldn't solve the problem. We're out of here. I might just go and get on my spaceship, you know. <laughs> um, whereas when it's cooperative and we're all working together, well, maybe there's a chance that one day we might solve this. Maybe. Now, it must be said there is the competitive board on this, so it's a double-sided board technology. Mm. There are competitive cards and da, 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 da in there, so if, if you want to play it competitive, absolutely you can. Obviously, it's there's solo version as well because all of the Tales yeah. games have, have a really effective solo mode. I've heard. I've never played them. Um, but this game, I think, is is just just such a different experience yep. now i was able to pick it up for a relatively good price secondhand which is wonderful because i didn't get it um in 2018 i don't think everyone needs to own it 
But if you are at all interested in those those heavier style games, and even if you haven't played a Lacerda before and your heavier games are, I don't know, your Agricolas and your more traditional Euros that, that are crunchy, this is a good stepping stone into the next level of heaviness. Oh, yeah. Because of that cooperative nature, you don't have to do everything by yourself. You can have lots of talking around the table around how do we do this and how do we do that and da 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 The rules are actually really well written and very clear. Mechanically, it's simple. Um, and Vitalis himself is really active on like the BGG forum. Yes, very. So he provides a lot of information and, you know, there is, this is how you make the game easier mm. because he knows it's a bloody yeah. hard game to <laughs> yes, play. That's right. And one way to make it easier is to remove a couple of those high value, dirty fossil fuel power plants that you, you're going to have to seed the board with from time to time. Now, the, the main thing that I like about um, this game in terms of the, the old quarterbacking problem uh, that a lot of cooperative games have where, you know, one person is basically saying, do this. Now, you do that on your yeah. turn and that'll do that and then I can do that and then da -da, and we'll win. The alpha uh, gamer runs the show, it, yes. Exactly right, is that each player has a couple of unique lobby cards that they, they get. Um, sorry, got private goal cards. Um, one of the win conditions, <laughs> should you get that far to have win conditions even matter, is that everyone needs to have completed one of the two that they were given. Yeah. Which sounds easy. But it's a Lacerda game, so nothing is easy. And again, um, because they don't want to have it be just one person controlling the game, those you're not allowed to give away the information on those cards. So it's not a open information, you know, hey, look, this is what I've got in my hand. Who wants to see it? Yeah. Um, that's a no-no. No, you keep that very close to your chest. But this, uh, did I see, Garth, on the BGG page when you had it up earlier that it's a, a complexity of just over four? Yeah, yeah, 4.07. So, you know, that's that's heavy, yep. but it's not, uh, again, it's not heavy when you're playing it because it is a very accessible game, I think, yeah. comparing it to others in that genre. And I, I, it certainly benefits from at least one person having played this type of game before. Mm. But as you said, because, um, you know, there's not 50 phases within the 12 million turns, you know, there's not a, too much you have to get your head around. No, that's right. And it'll become very apparent after everyone has probably had a turn how the mechanics of the main actions work, how the executive actions work. If that helps you just reset and just start the game again with that tiny bit, a little bit of knowledge, because yes. you will have already gone, oh, bugger, we should have done this yeah. and we should have done that. And the penny will drop that you need to be constantly communicating around what the world wants what not what you want or what is important to, to me as the yes. individual player this game requires open and honest and very very constant communication yeah. around how the hell are we going to do, solve this problem absolutely and again this reflects real life really i guess as far as that goes you know when when everyone's working open and honestly Maybe we'll start to make some ground towards solving this puzzle. Who knows? Wouldn't that be lovely? It would. So anyway, that was CO2 Second Chance by Vital Lacerda and, of course, um, art and graphic design by Ian O'Toole. Mm. We're going to throw to a song. We are the Dice Men Cometh. It's Edge Radio 99.3 FM. Hello, hello, Ignacy Cevicek, Portal Games, and you're listening to The Dice Man Comet. Have a great time.
Well, there you go. That was Grimes and Aya with Violence. You were with the Dice Men. Come with an Edge Radio 99.3 FM. Mark, Darth. you are straight off of your first class private jet experience from Gen Con back to Hobart with the hottest in Gen Con news, that's right. And just as a reminder, the last pre-pandemic Gen Con, they had close to 70,000 people attend. Wow. Then, of course, it was cancelled or postponed. Now, last year was the first Gen Con back, I want to say after COVID, but whilst in the midst of COVID, they had around 35,000 people, so it was only about half the size. This year, they had over 50,000, so coming back strong. Mm. Um, I did see, interestingly, um, some of the people that I, I follow or uh, friended on Facebook that they arrived back from Gen Con and they were struck down by COVID. No, no really. surprises. But it did um, seem to be a heavily masked event, yeah. which is great. Yeah, definitely. But again, when you got that many thousands of people walking around in confined spaces, stuff will spread. Yeah, and look, we all know board gamers, they're not the best with hygiene and things like that. So I guess it, yeah, we, the, the less stuff, said, Mark. the better. That's right. Um, now, one of the interesting things that I thought is, one of the biggest things usually at Gen Con is the FFG, they call it the in-flight report, and it's usually a massive big event they have on a particular day, and it's when they announce all their new games that they've you know kept under wraps and no one knows about. It's usually huge. What they did this time is they did four little reports where they spread it out each day, and they had different themed days. So, for example, one day was a superhero day. Um what the, one of the things they announced on that superhero day was a game called Marvel Dagger, where Dagger stands for Defense Alliance for Global and Galactic Emergency Response. Because, of course, we all know Marvel and that shadow government type group like their acronyms, like SHIELD, like SWORD, and now like Dagger. Um, but there's not a lot of information about this board game. In fact, really, all they showed was a picture of a white box that said Marvel Dagger on it and said it's going to be a Marvel board game as opposed to a lot of what are the Marvel properties which uh, have been card games. Well, we should go to our resident expert on comics, Leon. Oh, yeah. Uh, do you know anything else, Leon, that you can add to this? No. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, Leon. That was a good Leon impersonation. <laughs> um, so, look, I think, it's, I think it's a little bit away. So, obviously, there'll be more news coming down the track. And then also because fantasy might like to give out not much information, is there is a two-player deck-building game in the Star Wars universe. Oh, cool. What's it called? It's imaginative call, imaginatively called um, Star Wars The Deck-Building Game. Wow. But, importantly, it's not going to be an LCG, they've said. So it's basically going to be a standalone, all comes in the box, at least until they start producing the 50 expansions. That's right, yep. Um, and it's a 1v1 sort of battling card game. Because they did produce a Star Wars... Uh, not sure if it was an LCG or at least an expandable game a while back. So whether it's a reboot of that or not, we'll have to wait and see. And again, all they really had was the box and the title. There we go. Um, 
A couple of things, though, that were big news from FFG. Twilight Inscription, Garth, you'll be so excited to know there's a roll and write version of TI4. Snore. Now, it's not your average roll and write, though, because it comes in at a hefty 90 to 120 minute playtime. Yeah, wow. Okay. Um, Also, not by um, Fantasy Flight. I'm not sure who did this, but A War of the Ring, the card game, Garth. It's... But made by the same people, uh, Aries Games, I think, who do the big, 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 massive okay. game that we've played that's an all-day event. Yep. This is one. It's not an all-day event. It's 90 to 120 minutes, and it's 2v2. Okay. I think you can play it 1v1, but really, again, like like the board game is really designed to be 1v1, but you can play it 2v2, this is the opposite. There we go. That's so cool. That it's going to be fascinating to see, and I'm sure we're going to hear a lot more about it. They also, uh, or at the show, was announced... Tokaido Duo, which is a two-player version of Tokaido, interestingly. And that's done by Anton Bowser as well. Mm -hmm. So that's cool. Um, I mean, very much the same sort of thing, but just specifically for two players. Um, Great Western Trails Argentina Uh uh, was launched. Now, this is the second in a trilogy. Now, I didn't realize that when they did the second edition of Great Western Trails, that that was going to be the first in a new trilogy. Great Western Trails Argentina is the second trilogy, and we all know you know Argentina is famous for their cattle and their barbecues and their red wine. What are the um, the special Argentinian cowboys called? Gauchos, sure, um, something like that, or is that pants? Um, or the gauchos wear gauchos? I'm not sure. Um, but one thing that I learned when doing this research, amazingly, do you know what the third game is going to be called, Garth? Well, after Argentina, like Bolivia, Belize. No. (laughs) Okay. I thought they'd just start in A and then work their way through. Here's the thing. Great Western Trails, New Zealand. Oh, wow. So choice, bro. Clearly, um, they're going to get out the chili bun and the jandals, and it's going to be about sheep, not cattle, I'm guessing, because I don't know if New Zealand has a massive cattle industry, but it's certainly... Has a massive sheep industry. Well, well, we will have to wait and see, I guess. Uh, Yeah. A couple more. Clank Catacombs. Now, there has been a lot of talk about this, but it's sort of the first chance to have a look at it. It's still not quite out. It's Clank, but instead of having a board, you've got large tiles. So not Carcassonne size, but like imagine nine Carcassonne tiles all sort of stuck together. That's about how big they are. So the board, you're not going to know what it's going to look like. Okay, interesting. Um, So you can't plan too much. Um, it's a standalone game, but you can bring in the cards from the previous versions of Clank. And finally, um, Ryan Lolcat, oh, the old uh, Lolcat. Red Raven Games, he um, brought out, I think this one might have gone to Kickstarter, but hasn't gone out to backers yet, potentially. Um, but people got to see it, was Nightfall, which is an asymmetrical team game, one to six players, mm-hmm. where one team is the Knights and the other team... The demons. Oh, they're the fall, are they? Um, yes, and there's also a one to two player campaign mode with lots of stories. Where that game, I think, is much more in the in the sleeping gods sort of lolcat realm. Whereas the the base game, we, we've got the one to six. It's really more of a skirmishy game. Although they don't have minis, I think it's got standees. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I mean. He always does a lot of good stuff, old Lolcat. So we'll see what he, uh, how that goes. Excellent. So there you go, Garth. That was a quick roundup of uh, Gen Con news. Did you bring back any review copies 
from your, your time in Gen Con? Uh, still in transit. Oh, okay. Yeah, yes. caught up in customs probably. Yes. Okay, wonderful. Well, that was very, very interesting. Are we going to throw to a song or are we going to go straight into you? Uh, no, I think we'll, we'll, we'll uh, have a quick track just, just to break it up a bit and I'll come back quickly with my quickest review of Gugong. You're with the Diceman Cometh here on Edge Radio 99.3 FM. We'll be back shortly. Hello, everybody. This is Steve O'Rourke from New York. Congratulations on your good taste in gaming and podcasts. You're listening to The Dice Men Cometh. Well, there you go. That was 280-litre containers with Luddite Land Party. They were a Tassie Act, Mark. A fine Tassie Act. So going from the fine little island of Tasmania to Mark... The planes of Gugong. Would you like to tell us about? It? I will. I should have had my harp here to play in the background, yes. but <laughs> Scomo didn't didn't sign on for that that role. So China, fifteen seventy, is under the reign of the Long Qing Emperor of the Ming Dynasty. He inherited a country in disarray after years of mismanagement and corruption much like our current Prime Minister. He resided in the Forbidden City, which was the seat of many emperors under the Ming Dynasty, constructed from 1406 to 1420. The complex consisted of 980 buildings and covers 72 hectares. Blah, 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 blah. Lots of character there at the start of we the show. We don't play games for theme, No, Mark, but... Except saving the world. Um, of course, we talked about corruption and bureaucracy. That's what China was famous for back in the 1570s. Um, and although the penalties for corruption were very high, the highest officials of the Forbidden City would pretend to uphold a ban on corruption by accepting gifts of petitioners and returning one of seemingly lower value. And it is this extraordinary custom that the board game Gugong has as its basis because we, the players, take on roles of powerful Chinese families trying to gain influence and power by exchanging gifts with officials. The gift cards you offer as a player have to be of a higher value than the one you are receiving, forcing you to make strategic choices regarding which actions you want to take each turn, because you can travel around China, you can sail down the Grand Canal, you can purchase the precious jade, the jade eggs, you can help construct the Great Wall, secure advantages through decrees, influence the game through intrigue, and ultimately receive an audience with the Emperor. And of course, one of the fascinating little things about this game is one of those actions, as we said, is going up the Emperor track. If you don't get to the Emperor by the end of the game, you aren't allowed to win. You just you auto lose. lose. That right. is right. But, of course, if several players get to the Emperor, then the person with the most victory points wins the game. Now, I was quite surprised, Garth, this game um, was nominated for a few awards when it came out in... Uh, 2018, published by Tasty Minstrel and a few others, designed by Andreas Stedding, which wasn't a name that jumped out to me, but he has designed Hansa Teutonica. Oh, okay. Also Forenze. Yep. Um, a few others that are certainly lesser known. This game does play one to five players. It does have a solo mode. It is the 217th best strategy game in existence at this time, Garth, although it is ranked 341 overall. overall. And you know what? That reminded me of reminded me of the number one strategy game ever, Brass Birmingham, which I love so much. And one day, maybe Garth, 
if I can stop all of you fighting, um, we'll get to play it again. I did also notice Ark Nova has risen to number four strategy game. Mm, I'm not surprised, and I really, really, really want to play it again. Such a short time. So very quickly, um, as I said, this this was nominated for quite a few game uh, awards in 2018 when it came out. And the fascinating thing about it, as we said, are these gift cards. So you have a hand of gift cards that go in value from number one to nine. And how you do actions is you, there will be gift cards on the board already. Some of them will be dealt out at the start randomly, sort of randomly by the how the rules tell you. You put your card down, you pick up the one that's there and you put it into a discard pile. But then at the end of the round, that discard pile you draw it back and basically those are going to be your gift cards for the next turn. So the interplay of those gift cards where, oh, I don't really want to put a good one down because the next person who goes to that same spot, they're going to get the good one that I put down. Did I mention Garthy's gift cards? They have two parts because they have the value and then some of them, the value going from one to nine, some of them have also an action you can do. So if you go, for example, to the Great Wall space and you put down a gift card that not only has a value, but has the Great Wall action, you can build the Great Wall twice. Wow. Two Great Walls. That's the greater right. wall. The even gooder wall. Yes. Or if it has, for example, the Grand Canal action, you can you get to do two things. So um, I've left myself a bit short of time, but it is an interesting game, sort of. I like the card play. So there's there's different regions, as, as you've said. There's the, the canal that you can go. You can just basically travel around China, which is going and picking up resources along the way. You can f- go the intrigue track, which basically breaks ties spookily, or get decrees, which are giving you either game benefits that, that you, know, you might get a yep. slightly better advantage as you do a thing, or will give you bu- uh, buku victory points at the end of the, the game. Um, I like the way the cards work. You know, you start with a little hand of yes. cards, you're playing them, they come back into your own individual discard pile. That's really cool. I like the fact that at the end of every phase, certain numbers of of the cards are corresponding to some dice that get randomly rolled, and that'll determine how many workers you yeah. potentially get for the next round. That's just a, a little thing that adds a little bit yeah, of strategy. Yeah, so you've got these, these uh, little servants they're called and you have to spend servants variously in the amount of actions different numbers of servants and you only have a limited pool and in fact you only start with about half of your total pool so you're trying to get servants into your pool and then you're trying to get them back out you're spending them on the board and sometimes they don't come back so there are a few little interesting little wrinkles in this game but it was very point salady i found well it was and it was also longer than i was hoping it to be mm. it, it, it is a game that i think repeat ga- repeat play would, would speed it up quite a lot however you know we played with four and it felt too long yeah it felt like it just dragged um and it's it's weird because on your turn your decisions are not really that complex your decision is where do i where do i go uh, well, I can't go there because I haven't got the right resources or there or there or there. So I've really got there or there. The number of cards I've got, okay, that can't allow me to go there because I don't have the card that's high yes. enough. All right, I'm going to go there. So most of the time your decision-making is relatively straightforward, but it just took too long. And the, pretty- I was going to say, the other thing was though those jade eggs, which is sort of like, you know, in some games you have the resources where you go, wow. And it has, it's like the, you know, the one three, six, ten Fibonacci sort of type of sequence of increasing value. And straight away you think, well, I've got to go for those. But they're so difficult. And interestingly, in our game, we had good friend Carl, who had 
a few of those and ended up winning. But we also had good friend Trent, who had almost a similar number of those and came last. So, yeah, look, point salady, worth a look if you're interested. Remind me a little bit of a game we played at uh, BorderCon called Iki, mm-hmm. the Jap- which seemed like a Japanese version of this, but in that, for me, the actions were much more interesting. I agree. I like the Rondell mechanic in Iki. Yeah. We better go, Mark okay. and Leon. So... Uh, it, it has been episode 337 yes. of the Dice Men Cometh. Thank you very much, Edge Radio. Thank you, uh, LFG, as always, for being our lovely sponsor, which is great. We will be back in a fortnight. Bye. Bye. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Two Leons. <laughs> You've been listening to another episode of The Dice Men Cometh, proudly brought to you by LFG Australia. Be sure to check out lfg-oz.com.au for all the details of their online and physical retail store. You can find us at dicemencometh.com or on Instagram, Facebook or Twitter. And don't forget, you can support us on Patreon too. Thanks for listening.